0: Do you understand the grace that God gave you in His Son, Jesus Christ? Today's sermon, Granting God's Received Grace to Others, helps us think through this concept. In it, we will look at Titus 3 and how Paul reminded Titus that he is to be who Christ called him to be despite coming from a city that did not embody godliness. Many of us come from ungodly situations but that should not influence how we interact with others when we recognize the grace that we are afforded in jesus christ it helps us to embody christianity and also give grace to others i'm fami oseman a preacher for the church of christ i hope this sermon helps you to grow into who god called you to be and not allow others to impact your Christianity. When we understand the grace that we have received through Jesus, then it should make it easier for us to grant grace to others. And if we don't recognize the grace that we have received from God through Jesus Christ, then it almost makes it impossible to live as we are called to as Christians. And Paul has sent Titus to Crete to set the church in order to remind them of who they were called to be in Christ so they can exemplify this Christian attitude to the Christians, the same people whom which they were called from. You see, to live as a Christian means to live counter to the world in which God called you out of, which also means that a lot of the mannerisms, the ideologies, and your ways of life have to be rejected because... It's not what God is calling us to. You see, once you're baptized into Christ, your whole life changes and you no longer walk as a person you were before you were a Christian. You see, our baptism is not only supposed to have a spiritual impact, but a physical impact as well. It truly transforms us because in our baptism, We receive the spirit of God, which leads us as God is drawing us to him. We're changed. The spirit of God does. Transforms us. Consider Paul. Before his baptism, he killed people who had a contrary religious belief than his. After his baptism, he received the Spirit. And people who had an opposing religious belief than his, who even persecuted him, beat him, gave him a hard time because of what he believed, what did he do? He forgave them. He left them alone. He didn't fight them, he didn't strongly oppose them as he did before he became a Christian. He wiped the dust off his feet, left the city and found others to teach. But that's not how he was before he became a Christian. And Paul's model of life, his transformation that he experienced, he expected Titus to teach this to the Cretans. Listen how he closes the letter of Titus. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is true. I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone, but avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. At a first and second admonition, have nothing more to do with anyone who causes divisions, since you know that such a person is perverted and sinful, being self-condemned. When I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Make every effort to send Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, and see that they lack nothing. And let people learn to devote themselves to good works in order to meet urgent needs so that they may not be unproductive. All those, all who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be with you all. You see, Paul, he has spent some time in Crete teaching. And here's is. A, expectation that those who have called themselves Christians understand what they were taught. And so what he's asking Titus do is not to teach something new, but to remind them of something that they already know. And it's good to be reminded at times because it reinforces what one has already accepted as true. And it makes sure that you don't forget what it is that has been taught to you. You see, reminders refresh and recall to memory, but you don't really need to be reminded of something that you just do all the time. So when you're reading, you don't have to be reminded how to read. But when you see long words, you might have to remind yourself, I need to slow down and break it apart and pronounce each syllable to bring that word back together. Because I know the act of reading, but sometimes I get to points to where I need to slow down and remember the fundamental, the basics of what it is that I do naturally so that I can get through this word that is new to me. Reminders that help us recall what we already know so that we can be good at what it is we're supposed to be doing. And what is it that Paul is asking Titus to remind the Cretans of, the Christians there in Crete? Simple, to be kind, to be submissive, respectable people who recognize what they were called to in Christ so that they can exemplify Christian living in a world that does not embody godly truth Because they were called from that world. And it would be easy to go back to that way of life if they didn't have it on the forefront of what God had called them from. And what I think really is happening is that Paul is not asking them something that's easy. Why? Why? Because he has already said that they come from a place to where the reputation is that they're evil brutes, liars and gluttons. And if that's what you're called from, you constantly need to be reminded of what you're called to, because it's easy to revert to what you have been taught at fundamental ages in your lives. They were transformed by the spirit, but they still lived in the flesh and they needed to be reminded of that. Paul's calling them to be something different than what they were. And it takes a serious transformation for a person to fully embody Christian ethics because we live in a world that is not fully rooted in godly teachings. So, we need to know We have to be subject to rulers and authorities. We have to be obedient. We have to be ready for every good work and not to speak evil of no one and to avoid quarreling and to be gentle and to show every courtesy to everyone. Because at one point, that's not how we lived our lives. And Paul wants Titus to remind them that. There was a time to where you was quarrelsome. There was a time to where you was backbiting. There was a time to where you spoke evil of people, but now is not your manner of life. And if this is not put at the forefront of your mind, then what you're going to do is you're going to slip back into those worldly ways. And you're going to be led by your passions and you're not going to be led by Christ. Titus, teach this. Titus, find men who exemplify this and establish, ordain them as elders. Teach older women, teach younger women, teach young men and how they are to buy, embody Christian teachings so that they can live up to this Christian calling and remind them of this on a consistent basis because the world teaches them other. The world teaches that we are to be slaves to our passions. The world teaches that we're to seek pleasure. The world teaches that we're to pass our days in malice and envy, hating one another. But what God calls us to is goodness. What God calls us to is loving kindness, not because of who we are but because of whose we are. You see, the way of life that we're to model is a reflection of what God has demonstrated to us through Christ Jesus. And so we can live lives of kindness, of submission, of respecting people in this world because that's what God did for us. We don't look to the way a person treats us and act according to that. We look to how God showed love to us and redeemed us even before we were living in a way which modeled Christian living. And that's why we treat people with love. That's why we treat people with respect. That's why we can forgive. That's why we can be in submission to authorities above us because we know we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, but also who demonstrated to us in Christ Jesus because he's calling us to be different from the world around us. And if we're not different from the world around us, then we will not receive the salvation that is only afforded in Christ Jesus, which is embodied and modeled in the lives of Christians. So as Paul has been instructing Titus, we should also instruct ourselves, remind ourselves of what we're called to. Understanding that we have been afforded grace and use that grace as a way to extend it to others. Our interactions with others. What is it based and rooted on? Is it rooted on what the world teaches Or is it rooted in what God has called us to in Christ Jesus? Do we treat people how they treat us? Or do we treat people how God has treated us? Exemplifying to them the type of lives that God is calling us all into. You see, God wasn't looking at us and saying, you have done these righteous deeds, so now I'm going to give you salvation. No. Out of his grace and mercy, he looked down upon people and he said, I'm going to act to save them and show them love because of who I am. And because of who we are, we're supposed to look to people and say, I'm going to show them love because of who I am in Christ Jesus. Because when we were baptized, we acknowledged that God's way was the right way. And we repented of our way of life. We repented and changed from our thinking and accepted crisis. But we were also given the Holy Spirit, which leads us to be the people that God will have us to be, which is our our seal for salvation, which makes it easier for us to be what God is calling us to. You see, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, when we were baptized, God saved us. But when we rose up, we were a new person. So that former way of life, we put off. We were renewed by the spirit, which means we accepted, we were giving a new way of being. And this new way of being is how we're to be in the world. Why? Because we have a hope that we'll be called up out of this world into God's eternal Presence. We're being saved, so we live as if we're already in God's presence because to some extent we are. And we will fully be in His presence when God sends Jesus Christ down here to redeem us. And we're justified not because of all works, but because of grace. So we can extend grace, we can walk in love. Because we understand that we have been loved. And we have been included in a family. And when you're in a family. A wealthy family. You have an expectation of an inheritance. An inheritance that you will receive because. Either a father figure. Or some senior person in the family has something that is going to be passed down to you solely because you are in that family and we're in God's family and we are heirs of salvation God's eternal presence solely because of what God has done our baptism included us in that family the renewing by the Spirit teaches us how we are to be as family. And so we live contrary to the world. And we do not treat people as they treat us. We live a way that signifies that I really believe that God is calling me to something greater. And I exemplify that. So I do not look to people who are corrupt which God called me out of and treat them as they deserve based on my understanding. I treat them as God treated me with grace, with love. And I embody this Christian teachings because I know that I'm going to be justified, not because of what I do, but because of what God has done for me already in Jesus Christ. And these things are not optional. These things are not part and parcel. We cannot pick and choose which aspects of this Christian living that we want to take. We take it all. What does Paul tell Titus? I insist. I insist. I desire that you insist on these things insist is a strong word insist does not leave room for choice insist demands that a person does everything to the letter in which you're insisting God insists that we're people that submit our wills to his we can't pick and choose which part of God's word we want to follow we can't pick and choose how it is that we're saved He insisted that the way to have a relationship to him was through Jesus Christ. He insisted that those in Christ embody certain characteristics. He insisted that those who have embodied those characteristics live in a way that reflect the hope that they have. That's what we're called to. And while it might not be easy, it's what is demanded of us as Christians, because we have changed our trajectory in life. We have changed our focus and we're headed to God and we're getting away from this world with each and every passing day. Because God is guiding us. Because His spirit is renewing us. And his word is teaching us. And his son has redeemed us. So we have everything that we need to do what God wants us to do. We have everything provided to be the people that show this world that there is a reality in serving the true and the living God. And one of those things that Paul also insists that we do if we have come to believe in God, is that we devote ourselves to good works. Just like insist, devote is a strong word. When something is devoted, that means that its sole purpose is to do what it is devoted to. You're devoted to your spouse, means I am committed to my spouse to a level to where nothing will come in between that. You're devoted to your work, meaning I'm devoted to doing this task, this job, to the point to where nothing's going to prohibit me from doing that. You're devoted to God means I'm not going to let the world come in between me and what God is calling me to. Why? Because I have decided to commit to devote, to put all my efforts and energies into being what God wants me to be because he devoted his son to me to redeem me from this world of sin, to bring me into his eternal purpose. And the way that I show that I understand that is I reflect godliness in an ungodly world. And so while the world might give me lemons, I give it lemonade. I take what it has given me and I turn it into something good. I devote myself into doing good works. Not because the people are worthy all the time. Not because they have treated me nice, but because God is worthy and God has treated me right. Because if God treated us the way that we were deserving of, we wouldn't have salvation We wouldn't be afforded all the blessings that we're afforded. But since God devoted himself to doing good works and has called to him in Christ a people who are devoted to doing the same, we must. So we look to do things that are profitable. We look to do things that are excellent. And we don't worry about foolishness. One thing that Paul was telling Titus is do not get caught up in the the teachings of the Jews because they're caught up in genealogies. They're caught up in trying to be righteous according to the law. They're caught up in things that are not really meaningful to God because now that Jesus Christ has came, he has given us a method in which to be saved. And this other stuff is really not important. So do good and don't get caught up in these quarrels of he say, she say, of eating food and not eating food, of being circumcised, not being circumcised, of celebrating holy days, not celebrating holy days. Devote yourself to doing good, exemplifying Christ to everybody and let those who are not focused on God be. Want them once, want them twice, to knock the dust off your feet. Don't be involved with them. Paul exemplified this perfectly. When you read through his travels in Acts, you see that at one point he says to the Jews, your blood is on your own hand, I'm going to go and teach to the Gentiles. And in doing such, he doesn't necessarily just... Do away with the Jews. But what he does do is he focuses on presenting this word of God to people who will accept it. And when people don't accept it, I'm done. I don't have to fight you. I don't have to kill you. That was how I was in my former way of life. When a person didn't accept this teaching that I had from God, that I believe with my whole heart, I went out and made sure that they lived to that standard. But now that I have a better understanding of Christ, I know how I'm to be. I know why I'm to be as such. And if a person doesn't accept this teaching, I let them be. Because God, God is the one who justifies me and it's God's wrath whom the world has to answer to for their response to his word to what he did in Jesus Christ so I'm going to look for people who have the same mind as me and those who don't those who cause divisions those who don't accept this teaching I'm going to let them be because they're just like the people in the world They have an ideology that is not rooted in God. They have a way of life that's not governed by Christ. And it doesn't make any sense for me to put my energies in trying to fight somebody who's going against God because that's unprofitable. But what is profitable? Doing good. Regardless who it is. Being a person that lives with respect. Being one that honors whom honor is given. Being a person who doesn't speak evil of others, who doesn't backbite, and who avoids quarreling and who's gentle. Because that's what God is calling me to be. Because if I live contrary to God's calling then I'm going to condemn myself and God is going to give me the fruits of my efforts, be they good, be they bad. You see, that's what God is calling us all to. And this letter that Titus received from Paul teaches us of the hope we have in Christ. The fact that God really did send Jesus Christ down to redeem us. He gave us his spirit. And there's an expectation that in the reception of salvation, we are people who live saved. We might have came from any type of people from this world. And even if you came from the worst of the worst, that doesn't determine God's grace afforded to you in Christ. Your people can be evil. Evil. Your people could be gluttons. They could be quarrelsome. They could be liars. They could be brutes. They can be everything that is ungodly. But if you have been called to God and Jesus Christ and received the renewing of yourself through baptism and the Holy Spirit, you can be changed and transformed. And your actions, your actions will be a good indication of your acceptance of God's word. Do you live in a way that embodies Christian behavior? Do you show love? Not because a person shows love to you, but because God has so loved you in Christ and you understand what that means, so you offer everybody grace because you received it. Or are you quarrelsome? Do you have to have the last word? And if so, are you willing to change? Do you look to unify God's body or are you causing divisions? Our way of life is an indication not of how God views us but how we view God. Because even when we were living contrary to God, he saw fit to send his son Jesus. He saw fit to afford us an opportunity to salvation. And it's our response to that, that 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 shows if we see fit to receive what is given to us freely. So I, like Paul, through Titus, and just reminding us of what we already know. We know what we're called to in Christ. We know the type of people that we're to be. But times is difficult because we also know what we were called from. We're also familiar with the world in which we're in. And we understand that most people are contrary to God. And they live lives which are self-fulfilling, self-seeking, and they are their own God's little G, because they don't respect the God who created them. But we do. So let's live in a way that reflects that in this world, and don't allow other people to determine how you treat them. Allow God's word to, to guide you, to instruct you, and his spirit to lead you and exemplify Christian behaviors no matter where you go, no matter what you find, situation you find yourself in in life. Because when you do that, you're not only showing that you're really putting your hope in God's salvation, you're also, you're also molding yourself more and more into the image of Christ. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son Jesus to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.